Right, hello everybody and welcome to the first in our series of podcasts relating to the Brexit Freedom Bill. My name is Michelle Craven-Faulkner and I'm a partner in our commercial team here at Shoesmiths and today I'm joined by Lucy Green. Lucy, tell everybody about yourself. Hi everyone, Um, my name's Lucy Green um, and I'm a professional support lawyer here at Shoesmiths in the commercial team. Thanks, Lucy. So I've mentioned this as being the Brexit Freedom Bill, but it has obviously got a proper title, um, which is a bit more of a mouthful. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what the legislation is and why we're talking about it today? Yeah, of course. Um, Well, the actual bill that we're talking about is the retained EU law revocation and amendment bill. So you're right, Brexit Freedoms Bill is definitely a little bit more punchier. (laughs) I did think about whether an acronym was okay, and I came up with RULRA, but that doesn't even sound right. So I think we'll call it the Brexit Freedoms Bill. Sounds like something from a 1980s kids cartoon. So yeah, let's, let's just keep it with Brexit Freedom Bill. Yeah. Um, And to give you, you know, a little bit of history, a potted history about where this has all come from. I think we should probably rewind a little bit, Um, perhaps not back as far as the 2016 referendum vote on Brexit, but maybe to just 2018 and the EU Withdrawal Act, which built a picture as to how EU-derived laws in the UK would continue to be managed and operate after the UK had left the EU at the end of the transition period. And once we knew Brexit was going to happen, the UK had a lot of decisions to make. And one of those was how to take control of UK laws um, whilst also not leaving great whopping big gaps in the statute books just because they'd erased all traces of EU law. And let's face it, whether you like or loathe EU law, it has become a fact of life. And um, businesses and consumers and employees are all used to it being there, um, whether that's the rights that it affords to consumers and employees or the parameters it sets for businesses in terms of how they can operate. So at the end of the transition period, the UK had to decide if it was just going to, you know, throw its hands in the air completely and say, you know, EU law is so 1972 um, and we're just going to leave all traces of it behind. But I think people would generally recognise that that would have been a mistake and chaos would have probably ensued and we would have lost lots of laws which had been put in place to protect businesses and consumers on lots of fronts. And and the big headliners um, that are being debated at the moment are like environmental, employment, product safety laws. So given there were so many aspects of withdrawal to consider and there wasn't enough time to review all the EU laws um, at the time of the the withdrawal um, and at the end of the transition period and decide what was going to stay and what would go, um, the UK decided to preserve the status quo and just create something new. And they called it retained EU law. Uh, I suppose really when you think about the timing of all of this, when the transition happened, we were we were kind of tied up in some other matters around about 2020, weren't we? We had uh, other things on our mind. So, to, to, you know, it's probably for the best that we didn't decide to try and deal with all this legislation there and then. And, and I would imagine that it will surprise people how much legislation is still EU legislation. As you say, legislation that kind of governs some of our daily lives hasn't actually been enacted into English law or, you know, the the laws that that we've got here, um, they are still EU legislation, aren't they? Yeah. And I think we perhaps forget about it because we just perhaps Mm. accept them as part of the fabric of what the UK legislation looks like at the moment. Mm. Um, But but what the UK did was it effectively took a snapshot of all that raft of legislation that we'd come to accept as part of our day-to-day life. 
took a snapshot of it. At the end of the transition period, it continued as it was. We didn't have to adopt new EU laws, let's say, but we still had the legacy and the past of what we were used to. Um, and we didn't have those holes that were created by losing things that everyone expected or benefited from or had the protection of, of mm -hmm. at that particular time. So that was what this new retained EU law effectively was. And, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, the UK parked the issue, you know. Yeah. The whole point of Brexit was the UK was going to take control of um, its own destiny. Um, but in terms of EU laws, it, it parked the issue and said, we'll deal with those at a later time. It seems that time is um, now coming quite quickly and rapidly um, towards mm. us, actually. And as you can imagine, Rochelle, you know, you know, we've seen there's been some amendments and some repeals of some of the retained EU law on a small scale as and when necessity is required um, a change. But there's been lots of pressure on the UK government to speed this process up. You know, it's been seven years since the referendum vote and the transition period was over two years two years ago that we came out of out of that. And that's where this Brexit Freedom Bill um, comes into play. And we saw it introduced by Jacob Rees-Mogg mm -hmm. um, under Liz Truss's government in September 2022. Um, and that was around the same time as that ill-fated mini budget that no one talks about. Um, so perhaps it didn't get a huge spotlight at the time in terms of this particular um, Brexit Freedom Bill, but it definitely has generated a lot of excitement since then, mm -hmm. especially since it, it set some hugely ambitious targets. Um, and despite, you know, a change in PM since it was introduced, it really does seem to have the wind in its sails. Um, and there have been huge concerns raised by businesses, trade associations, environmentalists, consumer bodies, you know, even the Law Society and, 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 and others about its actual impact. And, and the reason for that is the deadline, isn't it? So, so where we stand as of today in our recording, um, there are certain things, I think some um, safety certifications have been pushed back to 2026 and um, that we can carry on using the EU ones for until they have to be um, they have to be changed. But what we're currently looking at is the end of December this year, 2023, isn't it? Yeah. And we are currently March 2023. Yeah. And where are we with the bill at the moment at the time of recording? Yeah, so the bill has made its way through the House of Commons and it's had two readings in the House of Lords and it's currently at its committee stage. Um, and the House of Lords are currently looking at around 140 amendments um, to the bill that have been put forward by, by different um, lords um, that are being debated at the moment. We're in the midst of that committee stage. There's been mm -hmm. two, two sittings and I think an, another one's proposed um, in the next few days. So, um, you know, you're right. This sunset date is one of the most controversial aspects of it. I think you've actually called it a bonfire, um, <laughs> you know, day in the past, which is it's probably quite accurate. You know, we're less than, than 10 months away. And what has the government got to do in this time? Well, you know, we've got the bill that's in passage, but that's not the start and end of the story. There's still lots of legislation that needs to be identified. And there's been a huge job undertaken by um, uh, Whitehall, effectively creating a dashboard 
um, where they've been um, listing all of the potential areas and, and legislation that's going to be uh, affected. Initially, it started off as um, 2,400 pieces of legislation. The media has widely reported that that's grown. More and more legislation has come out of the woodwork with it being around 3,700 and the, the last count. And when you look at the dashboard that everyone can take a look at, and we've actually got it on our um, post-Brexit hub, um, if anyone wants, wants to take a look, the dashboard tells you how many pieces of legislation have been looked at or appealed since Brexit um, that was part of this body of retained EU law. And so far, only a few hundred um, pieces of legislation have been tackled. And I was looking at a Law Society parliamentary briefing um, for the second reading in the House of Lords, which was published in February 2023, they reported that less than 20% of retained EU law has been reviewed. Um, so between now and December, we've got the remaining 80%, you know, assuming it's all been identified, checked off, verified, you know, there's still 80% of the retained EU laws to, to, to look at. And if you break down the maths, you know, just in February, they were sort of estimating that you probably have to look at 300 pieces of legislation each month or 13 pieces of legislation each day to get to the end of the task by the deadline. Um, and by the deadline, the, the basic decisions that have to be taken are threefold, isn't there? There's three choices yeah. that they've got. It, it's yeah. either it falls away, hence the, the reference to the bonfire, um, or it gets enacted into English law. Well, that in itself isn't an easy feat and you know, it's quite timely. Or the third option is that people take the opportunity to look at that regulation and do something else with it so that it's it's more like how we, in inverted commas, would want it to look. And as you say, you know, the time that's left for this is is not substantial. And I think actually um, the, the last time that this was discussed in the House, the suggestion was that in order for the for the regulation to be enacted into English law, there would have to be Secretary of State signing that off. So it's not just a crikey, let's just tick a box and 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 it'll happen. There is a quite a detailed process that's going to have to go be gone through to to enact it into English law. Yeah, I think there are still concerns over, you know, this process around which. Um, changes are going to get signed off because let's not forget that, you know, if things are going to be put onto the bonfire or, you know, drift off into the sunset on the 31st of December 2023, arguably no action really needs to be taken. Yep. And that might be the right thing or the wrong thing to do, yep. depending on, you know, which camp you fall into um, at the time. Um, and if you're going to restate it or you're going to enact it into, you know, the fabric of our UK law and make it assimilated law, um, or you're going to change things or even kick the can down the road. You know, who are ma who's making these decisions? It's not effectively always going to go back into Parliament to, to be decided. It's, it's, mm. it's going to be ministers who are making these Absolutely. decisions. I think that's just worth picking up on in terms of, you know, there is this opportunity to defer the decision. You know, if the, if the sunset date is coming around too soon, and um, specific pieces of legislation are identified as needing more time to think about, um, there is an opportunity to extend the deadline in relation to those specific pieces of legislation through to um, June 2026, which coincides with the 10-year anniversary of the Brexit referendum, yeah. um, which, you know, makes sense. And I can't help feeling that that right is probably going to be exercised quite a lot if that 31 December 
um, sunset date still stands. Well, and I'm sure people do work really well under pressure. Let's give them that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is very very true, um, you know, and and maybe if if Parliament had a, a blank copybook at the moment, that wouldn't be so much of an issue. But as we know, there are lots of other things that are going on. Um, well, look, Lucy, thank you ever so much for that. I think that is a really nice introduction to the Brexit Freedom Bill. Why we're looking at it, why it's important. Um, and probably kicks us off nicely for for a series of podcasts that we're going to start doing on this subject now. So thank you very much for that, Lucy. Okay, thank you.